Um, normally at this point I would say if you have your Bibles, please open them, but today is going to be a little bit different. We, are, we have finished First John, and so I decided today that we would kind of conclude it um, as best as we can by looking over some of the key themes, some of the key elements that we've seen throughout the letter. Obviously, that in order to get everything from First John, we'd have to go back and start from verse 1. So we're not going to do that, but we are going to look at a few of the major things that we've seen and hopefully be encouraged again with some of the things that we could remember from what we've learned. So in a way, this is kind of a crash course into what we've learned throughout First John, um, but I hope also that you'll hear things, remember them, and say, oh yeah, that was actually pretty good. Um, and so yeah, today we're going to conclude First John essentially, and we'll see how it goes. Um, so again, though, I did want to acknowledge that this doesn't cover everything in First John. There are such things such as um, sin and struggle that aren't really hit on, but John does hit on. And so again, this is not a full list, but particular things. The first is I called the big three. Of all the things that John has discussed, there are three things which John returns to over and over again throughout his letter. The first is correct belief or doctrine. The second is correct lifestyle. And the third is correct relation through love for God and for others. And since these themes have been focused on so greatly in 1 John, it seems wise for us to consider a few specific instances where we find them, starting with doctrines and belief. So the first one we consider is from chapter 1 when we read, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Now that comes from 1 John 1.5. This was a pivotal doctrine for John, and it was focused on throughout the letter in various ways. If one were to understand why we are to live a certain way, and why we are to love, we need to look no further than our God as the reason for it. Having a correct understanding of God as light or is light and having no darkness gives us reason and purpose to live in a way which is pleasing to him. This, however, leads us to a second teaching, which is that there is darkness. The darkness came through different forms in 1 John. One of them was incorrect lifestyle, but it also comes through incorrect teachings. Consider what we read from chapter 4. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. That we are to test the spirits. And that there is the spirit of the Antichrist in the world. It shows us that there are right beliefs and wrong beliefs. The wrong beliefs come from the spirit of the Antichrist who speaks falsely concerning who Jesus is. Right beliefs, however, come from God. For it is from God that the Son has come. True teaching or correct teaching and doctrine will reflect the reality of the coming of the Son. Another specific teaching is one which we have just discussed, and that is concerning the Son of God. 
There are two particular instances when this is focused on. The first is in chapter 2 when we read from verse 23. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. And then the second comes from chapter 4, verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. In both of these, there is a necessary doctrinal truth which we must adhere to. And that is confession that Jesus is the Son of God. For Jesus to be the Son of God is to not only accept his coming, but it is to make the highest confession one can make concerning Jesus. This confession is the highest confession because it is the one which is the most damning to those outside of the faith. For the Jews, it was anathema to speak of a blasphemer as the Son of God. And for Gentiles, it was anathema to speak of one killed in the prime of his life in the most detested area of the world as the true Son of God. Thus, to accept this is to then accept all other teachings and doctrines given by Christ. It is a greater to lesser understanding. To accept Jesus as the Son of God and yet regret reject his teachings is illogical, since his greatest teaching was on himself as the true Son of God. Ultimately, there is much more when it comes to doctrines and belief in 1 John. But for now, just with these particular statements of faith, we want to be reminded that correct doctrines and beliefs imply that what we think matters. Our knowledge matters. It should not surprise us that in the concluding moments of the letter, John writes, We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he, was born, he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his son Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. As we saw a few weeks ago now, all of these verses have knowledge as a focus. We know everyone born of God. We know we are from God. We know that the son of God has given us understanding. And we may know him who is true. Knowledge is powerful. Knowledge is important. We are not called to be unthinking. Instead, our minds are being transformed by God to better know him and seek him in truth. So when we read about doctrines and beliefs, remember that means God wants us to use our minds. He wants us to have and to seek knowledge. Not just any knowledge, but true knowledge of who he is. Now, the second focus John has hit on throughout his letter was lifestyle. Um, Consider this from chapter 1. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, what do we notice? We cannot walk in darkness while at the same time claiming to walk in in light. To walk in the light is a recognition of a particular lifestyle which is antithetical to a sinful lifestyle. To walk in the light is to walk in repentance from sin and faith in Christ. 
This is further established in chapter 2, when John writes, And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way which he walked. Here we continue to see what it means to walk in the light. It means to follow the commandments of Jesus Christ. In order to follow his commandments, it is necessary for us to know his commandments, to study them, and then live by them. It will not do for us to claim Jesus in one breath and then live in a way which is contrary to him in the next. Correct lifestyle is significant for us in this life for the glory of God. We see this further in chapter 3 when John writes, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. In this we find the reality of our lives outside of Christ. If we claim to know him, yet we continue to sin, then it shows we are not truly in Christ, but are apart from him. Therefore, our lifestyle is evidence for true and genuine faith. This does not mean sinless perfection. Instead, it is a recognition that those who are in Christ will seek righteousness through repentance from sin and faith in Christ, rather than seeking sinful lifestyles apart from Christ. Finally, we consider relationally in love. The concept of love begins in chapter 3, and from that point onward is the dominant theme of the letter. When John first introduces it, he says, For this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Our love for each other is a commandment, which comes directly from Jesus Christ. In the Gospel of John, when Jesus is teaching in the garden, we find his teaching that brothers and sisters are to love one another, and that such love is evidence of the faith which they have in him. But what is it? That causes us to love. Simply put, you and I are imperfect beings. The foundation can't be each other because we will only fail each other. Is there any other foundation we are given? John does give us a greater foundation than simply love for one another. For if that were it, then our love would never be sufficient enough to truly love. Instead, we are told this in 1 John 4. In this, we lo- in this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God has so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. This is the ultimate foundation for love. When we recognize that God loved us first, though we were in our sins, though we had no desire to glorify or to love our God, God saved us from our sins and loved us despite our failures and our sins. 
So when we look around and see each other and our failures with one another from brothers and sisters, this is what keeps us going. It keeps us loving despite each other's failures. And that is that again, God loved us first. He is the perfect example of love. And it is the example we must seek to emulate in our lives toward one another. So these three things are seen throughout the letter. The correct doctrines and belief, correct lifestyle and love. These are the themes we have seen and the themes which we are to seek in our lives. To give ourselves to God completely with our minds, our lives, and our hearts forever. Now the next point that we might want to focus on is the supremacy of Christ in 1 John. While this world is dark... Something John has continued to show us is that the light overcomes the darkness. Though sin may cause death, the eternal life found in Christ is far greater than death. Christ is the foundation for all these things. So let's consider it more from John's own words. The first comes from chapter 2. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate With the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Here we see the direct supremacy of Christ over sin. Though we have sinned and though we fail in our struggle against sin and fall into sin, we have an advocate in Christ who is our propitiation. He is our atonement. Because we have this atonement for our sins, we can know that our sins are forgiven. It is not because of our own doing or that we are able to work this salvation out on our own. Instead, it is the work of Christ in which we find our redemption. Hence, the righteousness of Christ is greater than our sin and our unrighteousness. And though this world is dark, though this sin is great to kill and to destroy... We can know that Christ is greater than the sin we possess. I am not sure about you, but this gives me great hope, remembering that Christ is greater than all this sin within me, and even the sin within the world. Now, another element of the supremacy of Christ comes in two other places. The first is chapter 3. We read, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And the second, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. For Christ to destroy the work of the devil is for us to recognize that he defeats sin and death. Not only in regards to some things, but all things. The devil's work in sin is great. It affects all areas of life, lifestyles, our minds, our emotions, society at large. All things have been affected by the work of the devil. By Christ, however, we have a complete and perfect worldview which adjusts all things for the glory of God. It is through Christ that the work of the devil is destroyed not only in us, but in other places as well. When we seek righteousness... We show the world of the defeat of the devil. When we present the Christian worldview in politics, in society, in culture, we see how the devil is being destroyed and his works are. When we encourage Christian artists, Christian businesses, 
It is not a few things which are destroyed, but all things that the devil touches are destroyed by Christ. Likewise, we are encouraged when we face these things which have been touched and corrupted by the devil, because we know that the one who is in us is greater than that darkness. That Christ, what we believe and know to be true, is greater than that which is false around us. It gives us encouragement to be faithful and be light when we remember that Christ has defeated the darkness. And it gives us courage to stand strong against the darkness around us. Finally, the last point concerning the supremacy of Christ is found in the beginning of and end of 1 John. In particular, when we read, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And then at the end of the letter, And we know that the Son of God has come and given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in the Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. In these two passages, that bracket all of 1 John, we see the evidence of life. We have already touched on it, but in these we remember that the life found in Christ is greater than the death found in the world. The supremacy of the life found in Christ is seen in that it is eternal. What we find in death is but for an instant compared to the eternal life we find in Christ. In all of these ways, we have seen the supremacy of Jesus. He is ultimate and supreme in all of these ways. He is beyond all other things in this world and in the heavens. He is the Son of God, the eternal life, the light of the world, the propitiation for our sins. Be encouraged to know that if we confess that He is the Son of God, and if we seek Him in our lives, that we then have He who is greater within us. Though this world is dark, if we are in Christ, we have nothing to fear because He is far greater than the world around us. Be encouraged by Jesus. He is, his supremacy is absolute. Now, another thing, another point um, in what we've considered with 1 John is that we are now children of God. Through Christ, we find a superior salvation, one that is beyond all others. This salvation does not only save us from our sins, It does not leave that which is created as created. Instead, it transforms those who are created beings into children of God. We find this especially in 1 John 3 when we read, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because he shall be, we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. This is something which should cause great rejoicing among all of us who are in Christ. Through Jesus, we have been given a greater love 
than we could ever attain on our own. To bring a point from when we went over these verses, some might consider a small thing to be loved by God. We are tempted to say and ask aloud, what is so great about this? Doesn't God love everyone the same? Now it is very true that God loves everyone the same, yet it is also true that he does not love everyone the same. This is an analogy given previously. Imagine you were an artist and you had children. Let's say one day a fire breaks out in your house. What are you going to save? Your art or your child? Well, you would save your child. Now the question is why? The answer is, though you love your artwork, you love your child in a greater and more meaningful sense. The same is true ultimately, of your house. Actually, it is very true that God loves everyone the same. Um, I just got lost. (laughs) The same is true of your house or your pets. Though you love these things, it is doubtful that you love them as greatly as you love, let's say, your family, your child, your grandchildren, your spouse, even your friends. You love these greater than you love these material objects or even these created objects. This is the same with God. He loves all of humanity because they are his artwork. They are beautifully and wonderfully made by God. And in this way, God loves every single human being as a masterpiece. However, we also read in Romans the following, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We see that this love is not given to everyone, but is specific to those who are in Christ Jesus. Thus the love which we find here in 1 John is the same that we find in Romans. God looks at us And doesn't just see a creature. He sees sons and daughters. He sees us as he sees his son, Jesus Christ. It is in him we find the love of God, which is beyond all others. He loves us as his dear children because we are in his dear son. Thus, when we consider the love of God through Christ Jesus, do not let it be something small. Instead, realize just how great it is to be called a child of God. It means that God sees you and loves you as he sees and loves his son. This is something spectacular to consider. This is love beyond all measure. And it will sustain us in all things. It is eternal, perfect, and it will never let us go. So cling to this love. And remember that God loves you completely and fully through his son, Jesus Christ. Now the final theme before the gospel that I wanted to point out involves in a way all of the above. That concept involves abiding. This concept of abiding is found in the gospel of John when we are called to abide in Christ as he abides in us. Then that same concept is found throughout First John, especially as chapters through two through five. You see it all over the place in various ways. We see these ways when John writes about it. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. 
If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father, and this is the promise he has made to us, eternal life. In these verses we find that what is to abide in us concerns the gospel. When it abides in us, we can be sure that the Son and the Father abides in us. For if our sins are forgiven, and if we are given righteousness through the Son, who is Jesus Christ, then we can be sure that we are in God and God in us. Likewise, we can be sure we have eternal life since Christ himself is the life. Thus, to abide in him is to abide in life. Now, this concept of abiding has further ramifications later in the letter when we read, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in Him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because He is so also we are we in the world. Here we learn a number of things, specifically that if we abide in the Son, then we also abide in the Father, and vice versa. But we also learn that those who abide in Christ have no reason to fear the day of judgment because of everything we have discussed previously. Because we have the love of God in us, and because we abide in this love, we have nothing to fear of judgment. Ultimately, however, the focus of abiding that I wanted to reflect on is that it ties everything else together. Previously, we considered our knowledge, our lifestyles, and we hit on these things repeatedly. However, what we never want to forget is the relational aspect that comes through Christ. The reality that though we are called to know God and seek Him and to live for Him, this does not negate that we are also to abide, to have a relationship with this God. We see the fruits of this relationship as we have seen previously. When it comes to His love for His children... However, that leads directly to other fruits as well. In particular, what we read in the final chapter of 1 John. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have, that we have the request that we have asked of Him. As he abides in us, we can have this relationship with our God through our prayers. We can request things of God according to his will and know that just as our children come to us and ask us for things, and though their requests are within our wills to grant or to deny, and just how their request being in our will does not negate our relationship with them, so it is with God. As we abide in him, we can know that he hears us, and he knows us, and he loves us. As his own. So as you continue to live, continue to abide in him. Continue to seek him out in your prayers. Have confidence to go to him with requests, knowing and trusting that he is faithful to bring about his will. Likewise, be encouraged to remember that he who is in you knows you. That when we abide in him and he in us, he knows us completely. So have confidence in him. In the relationship you have in him through Christ. 
and trust in him and his faithfulness in all things. For this is his promise to us, that he abides in us as we abide in him. In all of these things, we see the gospel. We see the gospel in the warnings given to us concerning true versus false doctrines, lifestyles, and relationally in love. We see the gospel in the supremacy of Christ. We see the love of God in being children of God. We see the gospel through abiding in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and them abiding in us. In all of this, in our sins and in our darkness, we find that the faithfulness and the love of God is greater than all things, and that His life and light are greater than the darkness. And so this gospel begins with the origins of all the world. All things were created ex nihilo by the power of the word of God. He brought forth this cosmos out of nothing. He is the first cause. Last of all the cosmos to be created was humanity, which he created to be his image bearers. Because God is a God of love, reason, he knows, can be known, has personhood, and shows hesed, we can as well. It is here we find all traces of worth, dignity, and sanctity to human life, being made masterpieces of God. Like God, however, we are also able to choose. We could either choose to follow God in obedience, which leads to life, or follow sin into disobedience and leads to death. Ultimately, we chose the latter and have continued to make that choice ever since, to continue to live in disobedience and sin. Because of this, we have broken relationships with God, ourselves, each other, and the world. It is because of this, humanity continues to accrue a greater moral guilt before our righteous God. And that guilt deserves judgment. This is human, true human sorrow. To be in this darkness without any hope from within ourselves. Yet hope is not foreign to us. Instead, we have hope because God exists. And not only this, but he has not been silent. Instead, he spoke his word and sent his light into the darkness. And that is his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again in time, space, history, and flesh. It is by his wounds we are healed. His blood justifies us before our righteous God. We are no longer declared guilty before our God. Instead, we stand redeemed in righteousness. His victory then becomes our victory in life over sin and lastly over death. We are to be obedient in two things though. The first is repentance. We are to turn from our sins and turn toward God. We are to live lifestyles according to the scriptures for the glory of God and his holy name. We are to walk in step with the spirit in us. And in this way bear good fruit of lives or of love in our lives. The second is faith in Christ. We are to recognize our dependence upon the Son of God for our salvation. We cannot attain salvation on our own. None can reach the glory of God on their own. Instead, we need to place our faith in Christ for our justification before God by what He has done. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to the Scriptures alone, for the glory of God alone. For those who are disobedient, there is only judgment. None can stand before God with their own deeds in hand. Even our best deeds are as filthy rags compared to the holiness and the righteousness of God. Therefore, there is only condemnation for those who are outside of Christ. 
For those who are obedient, however, there is no longer condemnation. We can live a lifestyle for the glory of God instead of sin. We experience the love of God reserved only for His Son, Jesus Christ. And we inherit an eternal kingdom of peace with our God forever. As we conclude 1 John, my hope is that you have been encouraged. That you have seen the greatness of our God and His love for us through His Son. That we have seen the supremacy of Christ in all things in life. And how he is greater than all evil and all darkness in the world. I hope that you would continue to abide in Christ as he abides in you. And that you would seek out him out in all things in your life. Be strong in the Lord. Trusting in him. For we can be sure of these things, that we have been given the complete and total love of God through Jesus Christ, and that this love will transform us. And though we struggle, His faithfulness will continue to lead us into eternity. Amen. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we conclude the letter John wrote, We ask that you would continue to teach us and that we would remember all the things that we learned from John and that we would seek out to live for you, for your glory in all things in our lives. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for what you have done through your son, Jesus Christ. Please, Lord, continue to abide in us as we abide in you. And Lord, we trust you to be faithful to your word. For, Lord, you are faithfulness. So, Lord, be glorified in us. As we continue to seek out your glory and your will, may you lead us ever onward into that glory which we seek. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. Please rise as we sing our hymn for today. Great is thy faithfulness.
faithfulness of our God and our Father in heaven through His Son, Jesus Christ. Remember to be a light in this world, to let the light of Christ shine out into the darkness. Have strength, have courage, and have all the blessings of the 10,000 disciples.